what happens now, but you can probably sit down. Good morning. Isn't it my on? Is that good? Is that good? Can we just lift up God's name for a second? Wasn't that awesome? That was awesome. And you know what? Where, where's Chad at? That was a great job on the announcements. Did y'all notice his shoes? You, your shoes. Maybe if you got, if you're up here, you see, his, you're just looking down, you see his shoes, you're listening to him, and I'm like thinking, like, those are great looking shoes. So I'm wondering if there's a prereq to do announcements well. You have to have good shoes. It starts at the foundation, right? So, you know, it it starts there, and you know, we're, it's got to be some truth to it. So this week. Um, I went to the chiropractor for like the first time ever to a real chiropractor and yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy, but they always, they're telling, they're going through like your, the, the foundations and different things like that. So it was just, it was an experience. So they start you off with like, well, we got to get into these deep tissues, Josh. We got to tell you right now, there's probably a lot of muscular stuff going on and they're still in, in my back and I'm like, I'm so bony. I just feel like you're rubbing my ribs and she's. And she's like, we're going to get you over here. So so her name was Sierra. She's doing the massage. And I had Knox with me. Knox is my middle. And she's like, all right. She's talking to me. And she goes, all right. So when when I leave the room, you can go ahead and take your clothes off and we can get things going. So she leaves the room and I'm looking at Knox. And Knox is looking at me. And I'm like, what'd she say? And he's like, I don't know, Dad. And I'm like, just my shirt? And he's like, I don't know, but definitely your shoes. So that's definitely what reminded me of it. Because, you know, he's just so innocent. So that that was my experience. And speaking of, like, foundational things, uh, you know, I just want to say happy Veterans Day. Um, and and what, a, what a great thing that's come. So if you served our country, can you stand up for us here? If you served in the military, the reserves, the armed forces, can you stand up for us here? We want to we wanna thank you. We want to thank you. So I, I was able to find this, and if you know me, like, this was a big deal for me. I found a poem for y'all. You know, you're going to serve the country just to come back and hear Josh read you a poem. Uh, no, what you do, it, it's, it's amazing what we do. So I, I think, I, I see, I know I got Marines over here, some Navy, our Air Force. I shouldn't have said that. Army, Army. So, I mean, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Stevie's. Wow. Wow. So, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, I just want to I want to read this poem uh to just honor our veterans today. It 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 goes like this. It is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us freedom of religion. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who's given us freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the lawyer, who's given us the right to a fair trial. It is the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. It is the veteran who salutes the flag. It is the veteran who serves under the flag. It is the veteran to be buried by the flag. Can we just pray and lift up our veterans here?
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for those who've served the military. And Lord, we just are so grateful. Uh, Just the time that they took away from their families. The time they took to stand up for what was right. The amount of bravery and courage they had to get up every day and, and be able to look evil in the face and say, No, not today, not my family, not my friends. Lord, we thank for the freedom that they fight for every day. Lord, we, we pray that you be with the families of those who have loved ones that are deployed, that can't be here. Lord, we, uh, we give thanks for the families that have lost those in service to protect our country, to protect our flag. And we pray just a special blessing on them. We pray for the ones that didn't get to come home, Lord. And we thank you, and we are eternally grateful for their service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, you know, kind of today, we're talking a little bit about a call to arms, right? So last week, we were talking about living in victory and and really changing some things. So call to arms this week. Pretty cool. We're keeping it cohesive. That's the thing. Um... And, and cohesion, it, it's something that is, it is so cool because you got to think in your life, there's so many things that are connected. There's so many things that you haven't experienced. You have things that happen in your life. And sometimes you understand why. And sometimes you don't understand why. Sometimes things in your life are, are nothing but a, a bug or an insect beneath your foot. And you're able to overcome those pretty easily. And then sometimes things in your life, you get up and you're looking at this mountain and you're like, where do I start? Where do I start? And you're just not sure. So my question is, have you ever been called to something that's that's much bigger than you can handle, where where you know deep, deep down in your heart and your soul, and you know this is what you were designed for. This is your purpose. This is what it means for Josh to be alive. It's a calling, right? Right? And sometimes that calling is very intimidating. Sometimes you look at it and you're thinking, what? Your jaw hits the ground. Your tongue rolls out. It's like one of the Looney Tunes shows. And you're thinking, where do I start? And the steam is just coming out of your ears. For me, that was like every big situation in my life. Like with Ashley, we met in high school and we got married. We are getting married. I'm looking at her like, how am I supposed to be a man? and protect her and love her when I can barely even try to keep the dirty laundry separated from the clean laundry. How, how, what? Uh, And then being a father, being a father trying to figure out, you know, what is it like to be, and before we had Luke, we didn't know boy or girl, we're waiting to find out. And we are one of those impatient people that keep that planned, that, what is it, the baby thing that you can see before the doctor We keep them, the pregnancy people, we keep them in business because we're like, yeah, we'll give you $150 to see what the baby is. And we signed the thing that it could be wrong, you know. So thinking, like, how do I be a good father? If it's a girl, like, where do I start? How do I show, like, if it's a boy, like, I don't want to be too tough on him, but at the same time, honor is a good man. Like, he needs to know. And those things are going on in your head. And it's intimidating. And then put fatherhood on to all of a sudden maybe you have a second child. I'll never forget, we're sitting in the living room playing, and Knox is just one years old, and he's on the couch sitting up, and we're like, oh my gosh, he's so strong, he can sit up, and he's playing with the toys, and Luke is over there just having fun and throws something, and it hits Knox, 
And I'll never forget, my wife goes, Josh, stop, because I was ready to fight. I looked at Luke, and I think I was ready to tear that little boy up. But it's just learning, like, how do you, how do you be a good father? And it's intimidating, but it's a calling. It's one of those things that when you want kids, you know you want kids. And, and, and it is. And, you know, and then maybe our vocation. You know, maybe we get a job and we get real passionate about it and we keep moving up to the next level and the next level. That's intimidating. When somebody walks in and, and puts that packet on your desk and says, hey, would you like to take this opportunity? And you're thinking, what? Um, that happens to me every day. Every day. I'm, I'm a store manager by day or night, depending on when my schedule is. Um, but I have, I have about 60 to 70 people that all have things going on in their life, and I, and I try to be responsible for them as best I can. And sometimes that's intimidating. Taking on, you know, my name's Josh. If you don't know me, I'm the family pastor over there. Um, so I'm over here today, so we don't know what's going on over there. But we do know, Dell, we do know they're much quieter now than I'm over here. <laughs> uh, so we measure our ministry over there by volume, if you didn't know. Um, so that's how we measure our ministry, by volume. Uh, so we don't need the sound equipment. We just plug into the jaws. So it, it's fun over there. But even that, it's like, oh, my gosh, how do I help these kids and these families really connect and, and bring things together? And how do I be really intentional so that even if the kids are very wound up and we're trying to teach, but it's not going, how do we just show them that Jesus loves them and so do we? And then preaching today, I'm like, what? You want me to preach today? And granted, talking is like a gift that my wife says I've been given tenfold. But, but in front of people, I'm like, how do I make sure that I'm going in the same direction and people can follow that direction? Because sometimes with me, it's like an elevator. And it's like Buddy the Elf is riding with you. Bring! Which floor are we going to today? So, so those are all things. But those, all, all my point is no matter where you're at, whether you're the family guy, the family mom, whether you're, you know, your passions work, whether you're in the military and you get called to that bravery, there is a calling. And on that calling is a responsibility. And that responsibility is sometimes large and sometimes small. So today we're going to be in the book of Judges. And we're going to be talking about Gideon and we're going to be talking about, you know, while we're going through these things and we have that calling, we, we have this innate thing about us to be afraid, to have a little bit of fear, to have a little bit of doubt, and a little bit of a feeling of inadequacy. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I'm the first guy that when I do something, I look at my wife and I look at her, and I'm sure just like one of the puppies, oh, did I do a good job? You know? I'm over there, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. This is not my thing, but a friend posted this, and they're like, how do you send your wife pictures in your marriage so that she still thinks you're sexy? So they're pictures of him vacuuming, right? Doing the dishes. So the whole time I'm thinking, I'm lifting up the toaster, wiping it, looking at her like, am I doing a good job? She's like, you missed a spot. Because like, her version of cleaning is here, and my version of cleaning is apparently here, right where your shoes are, Chad. <laughs> so, so, but there's, there's different things like that. So I don't know. I struggle with that. I struggle when I do something. I'm looking around. I'm like, is it good? Is it good? 
And it's widespread. We're going to see it with Gideon here, but it's widespread. It's the reason why when you go into bookstores, you have this ever-growing population density category of books called self-help. But do you ever notice we don't have a category in the bookstore that says help others? It's all self-help because we're all worried about social media. What do people think about us? Let me post a picture of my taco so people know how good my taco is. They need to know I have a good taco and then it's good. You know? But that's what we do with our life sometimes, too. We have these big responsibilities, and under the, under the surface, we're going, am I a minute? Are we doing okay? Are we doing okay? And we're burning ourselves out, and we're killing ourselves because we're not reaching out and letting people know what's really going on of that feeling of, I'm just afraid right now. Can't tell you what it is. I'm just afraid. Or, I have a lot of doubt right now. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this who I'm supposed to be? Am I saying things the right way? Is, is this... Where is this who I'm supposed to be with? Is this what company I'm supposed to be with? Or am I being a good father to my kids? Or did I work too long? Or did I do this? Moms, did I yell at my kids too much? Or my wife in my household, she's eight months pregnant. December 2nd is the due date of a little girl, Madeline Elizabeth. And uh, at this point, she's like, I'm tired. I'm done. If these kids say one more thing that they need, I'm going to lock them up. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna lock them up. Oh, you need something out of the pantry? Go and check it out. <laughs> I don't know where they went, Josh. Um, but we're going to learn, you know, that doubt of what's going on. And we're going to see inadequacy, you know, th- that feeling of I'm so small and this responsibility, this mountain is so large. So we're starting in Judges chapter 6. I'm going to story it a little bit. Um, and, and it starts out, starts out where Israel just got out of Egypt, you know, the promised land. They just walked right into it. But they decided to still keep doing things that were not pleasing in God's eyes. Right. How many times have we God has brought us through a trial and we're like, yeah, God, the babies are healthy. We're here. And then later we're like, why did you give me this kid? God, what is going on? I just need to sleep until 7 a.m. Sometimes, though, in our life, that's other things that are happening. Right. Wow. God, you got me through this really, really tough time. Thank you. And then later we're like, why me, God? Why is this happening, God? And we kind of missed the part where, hey, how did we pursue that relationship with God? Because we started praying. We started going to church. We got really involved with groups. We started getting involved in ministries and helping out when we had a tough time, when we felt like that responsibility, when we felt like that calling maybe was so big, or maybe we were just in a valley. But then as soon as things get good, sometimes we go through this cycle, and we're thinking, ah, we can pray a little bit less. Things are good. Or, eh, we are all right, we can go to church a little bit less because it's good. And sometimes that happens. It's human nature. It's, it's, it's not that it's awful, and I'm not trying to get on to you. I'm just saying, this is something to be aware of. Let's bring it to the attention a little bit and know that we all do it sometimes. So Israel's done it, right? Israel has done it. And what happened is the Mennonites, they're there, and basically the Mennonites have made Israel, all the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, it's kind of like they're in poverty. They're living in little forts. They're living in caves. And these Mennonites have come in, and there's so many camels. The Bible says it twice. There's so many camels that nobody can count them. And they're basically camping on the land. If, they're, if Israelites, if they grow anything, the Mennonites come and take it. They take all the, all the ox, all the sheep, all the donkeys. There's nothing left. There's nothing left for the Israelites. They're left with nothing. And they're looking for somebody. 
who is it that's going to bring Israel? I got to move this. Keep trying to do a triangle thing. Sorry, I digress. Um, keep trying to do a diagram. I learned it in a video this week. You're supposed to walk in a triangle. Sorry. The thing's in my head. So, so they're looking for someone. So under this tree, an angel appears to Gideon. And Gideon's over there, and he's, he's threshing the wheat. He's threshing wine. He's in the wine press. So if you guys ever Google wine press in the Bible, there are so many metaphorical meanings of wine press in the, in the Bible. So he's over there in, in this wine press, and he's threshing. So he's got the grapes in there, and he's stomping around. He's probably messy. got, you know, grape juice all up to his wheat. Threshing wheat in the wine press. No, so the threshing wheat, I looked at this too. So the threshing floor of the wheat, right, they're chopping it up and getting it real fine. I looked at that. I looked at both of them. Thank you. So, but he's doing it secretively. He's doing it by this tree because he doesn't want the Mennonites to see. And this angel comes and says, Gideon. Basically, he says, Gideon, you're going to be the guy that's going to go and lead Israel to victory. You're going to beat the Mennonites. And Gideon looks at him and says, whoa, 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 whoa. That can't be me. That can't be me. My my clan, my people, were the, the, were the weakest in the group, and I'm the run of the litter. Sounds like a little bit of doubt, huh? A little bit of feeling of inadequacy. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It can't be me. It can't be me. And the angel says, but it is you. And Gideon says, well, you're going to have to give me a sign. Can you wait here? So Gideon runs back. And he creates an offering. So he grabs some broth. He grabs some meat. He grabs some bread. And he grabs a lot of it. He brings it back. And the angel says, put it on this rock. Show you that I mean business. So the angel sticks out his staff. And it all comes on fire. Right? It lights up. And Gideon says, I have seen an angel of God. And the angel says, here's your call. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. It, it. It's you. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start out, go down, and there and, and there's an altar of Baal and Asherah, like a post, supposed to be for like plentiful reproduction and stuff. Um, and he says, I want you to take some of your guys, I want, to take you, I want you to take an ox, and I want you to destroy that altar. So here's the interesting thing. Gideon waits till night, because he doesn't want people to see him. He waits till night, and he does what God says. He, he goes with the ox, and he goes with the people, and he breaks down the altar. He breaks down the altar, and he cuts down that pole, and he builds an altar for God. And it's the altar of peace. It's the altar of God. And the next morning, all the guys wake up in the city, and they're like, who did this? Who did this? And they find out, so they go to Joseph, and they say, it was your son Gideon that did this. Bring him out. He's got to die for what he did. And his father speaks up and says, so you're going to speak for Baal? He, he's a god like you say he is. Let him defend himself. So Gideon had this reputation just from doing that. He had this reputation that says, you know, he kind of he tested Baal and said, let him defend himself. And it was like this first act of action where Gideon says, you know what? I may be the run of the litter. I may be from the weakest clan, but my god is bigger. My god is bigger. And he offered his ox as a sacrifice right on there. Um, and you know, the, the crazy thing is Gideon has this encounter with this angel and he, he, he does exactly what God says and God comes through exactly how he, how he says, 
so Gideon sends out letters and he, he kind of assembles the troops. He assembles the troops and he, and he comes out to the point where there's 30,000 men that are ready to stand beside him, to follow him, to fight the Mennonites. And God says, we can't do this with 30,000 men. Because if we do this with 30,000 men, they're going to say it was them. It wasn't God, it was them. So he says, here's what I want you to do. Anybody who's afraid or has any issues, just send them. Send them home. So then he went from 30,000 to 10,000. So God still said, this is too much. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but if Gideon is this, you know, he's getting ready to go into battle. He's probably thinking like, um, we just lost 20,000 guys. Like, what are we doing? Because these camels, you can't count the camels and the camels carry people and things. And they're everywhere. It says they came onto the land like swarms of locusts. Right? Can you imagine? Gideon's probably thinking like, okay, so not only am I the weakest you know, the weakest clan in the area, and I'm the run of the litter, but now you're going to give me the smallest military, right? He's probably thinking, like, what in the world? Well, it gets better, guys. Hold on. He says, guys, your guys are thirsty. Take them down to the river. And what I want you to do, because we still have too many people, okay? There's still too many people. What I want you to do is I want you to look at how they drink the water. And the ones that stick their face down in the water and drink, put them on one side, and the ones that, that pick it up and lap it out of their hands, put them on the other side. So Gideon did, and God said, the ones that drink out of their hands, that 300 guys over there that did that, keep those guys and send the other ones home. So Gideon's got 300 guys. And in the midst of this, Gideon feels a little bit more fear, a little bit more doubt. So we talked about this idea of responsibility. Gideon is at this point where he's going to the angel of the Lord has come. He is called to a big responsibility, right? He's looking at it and he's thinking, wow, this is huge. You think he's got a little bit of doubt in this? You know, the thing that amazes me is our God's love. It's our God's love. Because not only did Gideon say, oh, there's an angel in front of me. They say it's going to be okay. Let me test them. Do something if if it's true. So he gives the offering. He burns the offering, right? So Gideon listens. So then Gideon, in the midst of all the the troop and all the acquiring everything and and bringing the 30,000 to the 300, in the midst of bringing all this together, Gideon also says, he's on the threshing floor for the wheat, right? And he says, you know what? If this is right, God, I'm going to lay this piece of flannel wool. And what I want you to do is I want you, this is tonight, just let the ground be dry and the wool be wet with dew. So God did. So Gideon woke up the next morning and he rang it out so much that he filled up a little bowl of water. So not only that, Gideon said, God, please have patience with me. I'm probably, he's probably thinking like, I'm really scared. So he says, I'm going to lay the same piece of flannel wool down and just let the wool be perfectly dry and let the ground be wet with dew. So God says, okay. So he does it. You know, at this time, I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, Gideon's just like me. He wants to say, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? Is this the right time? Are you sure you've got the right guy? Have you guys ever felt like that? You ever felt like, wow, I'm waiting for God to send a sign. I'm sitting here. It feels like I'm lost in the dark. I'm not really quite sure. Am I good enough first? Do I deserve this? 
Is it based upon those things? God, show me a sign. Show me a sign. And the biggest thing is, if we look here, we can see we do this all the time. Gideon focused on who he was and his attributes. And, you know, God was calling him to be a warrior and lead him out. So automatically, what do we think of warriors? You know, they're seven feet tall, built of iron muscle. And they spit and the things go pating when they spit. You know, we think of those things for a warrior. They can hold two swords and an axe in one hand and swing it with the fury of a million winds. You know, Gideon's thinking, I'm the weakest clan of my tribe. I'm the run of the litter. Let's just be honest. If Pastor Chad was back here and we decided to have a boxing match, you wouldn't be betting on me. Like, let's just be honest. All right. Gideon was so focused with his calling was to be a great leader. His calling was to lead Israel out of oppression. So he focused on him. Right. And every step of the way, you see that Gideon is still focused on him. But God politely, gently, patiently, and lovingly keeps showing him every step of the way, you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing, and you're my person. You're my person. See, we can't defeat this thing called fear and doubt and inadequacy when all we worry about is who we are and what we deserve because i got to be honest with you i've lied i've cheated i've still i've said things that are not true about people i have done bad things i do not deserve the love that christ has for me and gideon was focused on those things he was focused on those things and gideon's not going to get past those and you'll see he does but we're not going to get past those until we start focusing on who god is and who the big purpose And the big picture is all about. Because, see, we were designed to fulfill God. We were designed to go and be a light into a dark and hurting world. We weren't designed to, to let somebody put us in a closet when they get annoyed with us. Because, listen... This, this fear of doubt, this inadequacy, this fear of like, oh my gosh, is it ever going to be good enough? That, that just comes from the person that doesn't want us to share God's love. I, that, that's what it comes. It's the evil. It's, it, it's Satan. It's, it's those things that come out. And here's the thing that Satan does. A lot of people think it's straight up hate. It's straight up these things. No, the biggest thing that Satan can do in life is cause confusion. It's the biggest thing, the single most disastrous thing. It's how friendships fell. It's how countries die out. It's how wars are started. Because at some time, somebody was confused about who was better than somebody else. At some time, somebody was confused about what was right and what was wrong. At some time, somebody was confused. Are you friend or are you foe? That's the biggest thing. And listen, fear and doubt and inadequacy that's just a brain game that's a mind game to confuse you to keep you off track of who god has designed you to be and to keep you off track of the calling he has for your life because he knows that confusion can keep you from hitting your stride let me just be honest do you think that the commanders of the Mennonite group that later on in verse seven do you know that they ended up, got, they got captured, they got killed, the heads were brought to Gideon. Do you believe that if they knew that Gideon was going to be this person, do you believe that they would do anything they can to cause confusion and stop this? 
they would have done that. They would have done that in a heartbeat. They would have done it in a heartbeat. So Gideon focused, he didn't focus on himself. Towards the end, he started focusing on God. He saw more and more. And then there's one last time where he questions, is this really the right thing, God? It's like responsibility. If you're a parent, if you're a husband, if you're a wife, if you work in a place where you supervise others, if you are ministering in this church where you are ministering to others, there's a point where you worry, is the decision the right decision to get these people where they need to go safely and positively? Is there going to be good purchase on what it offers them in life? Gideon had 300 guys. Am I leading them to, to utter chaos? Am I leading them to unfathomable death? What is going on? So God says, tonight, I'm giving the Mennonite army to you, Gideon. They're yours. If you don't believe me, go down there. Go down there with your armor bearers. So Gideon sneaks down there. He sneaks down there and he overhears. He overhears one of the people in the camp saying, I had a dream. I had a dream. A little thing of wheat rolled right up to a Mennonite tent. Tent fell down. Gideon jumped up, got excited. He's probably like, I'll get this camp. And runs back to camp and he says, Guys, grab your stuff. We're going. Because he knew from that, God set that dream to show him that Gideon, who was in that threshing floor of the wheat and the wine press. He was that little piece of wheat and they were going to take that down. So he says, guys, get around me. Do what I do. We're going to break off into three groups. Everybody's going to get trumpets, going to get an instrument, still making a joyful noise to the Lord, right? Um, We're going to get you a torch. So we're going to get some light and I'm going to put a jar over the torch. So they, they get around the camp and on Gideon's sign, you hear all these trumpet calls. They break the jars on their torches, and, and these Mennonite camps, they start to, it breaks out into such chaos, and then God turns their swords against each other. Nobody knows where anything's happening, where anything's going, and the Israelites and Gideon come right through. And the word spread, and as they're chasing the Mennonites out, other nations are joining in and taking care of all the Mennonites and the Amorites. And then they catch the two commanders, Wolf and, uh, I forget the other guy's name, Wolf and... Uh, hawk or something like that it was where they were it was where they were killed they ended up naming them after they were killed but it was pretty crazy and the thing is Gideon wouldn't have done it if he wasn't able to get over that fear that doubt that feeling of inadequacy but what we've got to see in all of this is that God walks us through that we're not crazy for going through that and we're not alone in going through that and as we're going through that Just as Gideon was successful and just as Gideon was patiently and lovingly coaxed by God and say, let me just show you this. Let me just show you this. Let me just show you this. But there's more. Let me show you this. Let's go. God's going to give us signs every step of the way. So sometimes when we're way looking up at that mountain and we're thinking, wow, God, this seems way bigger than me. He's probably looking at saying, yeah, it is. I designed you for it. You don't think I'm going to go up there with you? Man, God, I don't know where to start. Well, let me show you. Right here. Start right there. Well, that doesn't seem like that much, you know. I'm sure to Gideon, you know, somebody looking out, you're thinking like, well, what what importance does it have to have a wet cloth or a dry cloth, you know, to let you know what's right or what's wrong? But to Gideon, it, he knew it, right? To all of us, whatever you're going through, 
your calling, whatever's got you feeling the fear, the doubt, whatever's got you feeling inadequate, that's a sign that only you can see. But just like Gideon's father had to step up and say, whoa, 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 my son's not going to die for this. If Bell is so almighty, let him speak for himself. You've got to surround yourself with people that say, whoa, 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 you're a child of God. You are loved. I love you. We love you. Your church loves you. Let us help you. We may not know what you're looking for. We may not know what you need to see. But we, as sure as heck, can love you until you find it. Right? Can I get another one on that one? Amen. All right. So, I printed this out all weird. So, just let you know. Like, I printed this, like, up, forwards, backwards. I feel like I'm playing Tetris. Um, but, so, it, it's going through those things. And, and it really gets down to, if we're gonna if we're going to beat that, what we see in Gideon this whole time is that, He didn't just stop and ponder and say, wow, I can't get through this. Let me sit down. Let me go into this place all by myself. Woe is me. He kept going. He kept going. He he waited for a call, and then he moved. He waited for a call, and then he moved. And then he waited for a call, and then he moved. In his situation, he was saying, am I right? Is this right? Am I in the right place? And he moved, and he moved. And what we've got to see is that living by faith, and and if we're going to take away this this fear or fight it, if we're going to take this doubt and say, you know what, we're not going to let it win. If we're going to take this feeling of inadequacy and shift the focus instead of on us and our worth and our good to the perspective of how God sees us, we've got to have some movement. We've got to have some action. Because at some point, the words that you read in the Bible, you've got to do something about it. They've got to come off the page. They've got to come out of you. At some point, it's going to say, well, it's all well and good that you're reading God's word and you're singing the Christian songs, but what is it doing in you and what are you doing with it? And Gideon stood up and said, I'm not just going to let this be a sign to me. I'm going to take it to all the people. And he took 300 guys and they made a big difference in Israel, made a big difference, such a big difference that looking at the, the, just the number of the armies, you knew it was God. God moves us in those ways. So, my question to you guys is, what's the thing threatening you? What's the thing that's got you feeling, I'm not good enough for this, I can't do that? What's the thing that's got you saying, I don't, do I deserve this? Or why me, God? You know, I've done all these things, but this isn't happening, or this is happening. What's the thing? For Gideon, it was a call for him to go to this immense amount of people who are oppressing his people. Some of us might be up against that exact same thing spiritually. Some of us may feel like we're all alone and we're saying, how am I ever going to overcome this in my life? We've got to take action. It starts with taking a step. I don't know if I can get some guitar up back here, but it's, it, it starts with taking a step. My man, taking a step. Well, for him, it's taking a strum. Um, so, so what in your life is forcing you to run to the cave? What in your life is forcing you to hide in these little forts and let everything else take all your joy, to take all your fruit to the point where you feel like you can't produce? 
What in your life is keeping you from fulfilling the purpose and the design that God has for you? Because Gideon was focused on himself. And it wasn't until he stepped out of that and focused on God that he was able to lead. So what in, what in you are you focused on that you're worried about? Am I a good mom? Did I do this right? Am I a good dad? Did I do that right? Am I a good aunt, uncle? Today we're celebrating Veterans Day. And I've read some books. I've read a lot of things. But if you're out there on the field, the thing that I've heard often is simplify, right? That's Marines. You never leave your man behind. And it's amazing how in a short time our American military can take guys that don't know each other and create brothers and sisters who would die for each other without even thinking. Who would die for us without even thinking. There's no doubt in their mind when they're making that action. There's no fear in their mind when they're making that action. And if there is, they are so good at tricking everybody that there's not. There is no feeling of inadequacy because they know as a group of people, they can accomplish anything. The one thing I do know about the Marines is there's one specific training that it's specifically designed that you can't get through it by yourself. And what happens is as you get through it, you end up helping each other. So how are you going to overcome fear? How are you going to overcome doubt? A couple things we just got to start on. We got to have faith. We got to remove that doubt with action. And don't invest in it. Don't worry about what you're worth to you. Don't worry about what your, what your value is by the things that you do. Change your perspective. How does God see you? Start there. How does God measure you? Start there. Invest in the relationship and the time with Him. Make your decisions out of love. Don't be hard and critical on yourself. Make them out of love. Gideon loved his people so much he wasn't afraid to take his step of faith and move and invest in what God has for him and his people. And lastly, surround yourself with people in this church. Surround yourself with groups. And don't worry about failing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The ultimate failure in the military is not, it's, it's not losing, right? It's death, right? Because once, once that happens, you can't get back to the battle. If you lose, you can get back to it, right? It's death. Well, I got to tell you something. Our Savior died. He defeated that. If he's going to die and defeat that, why are we worried? That's the ultimate failure. And he said, don't be afraid to fail. Watch me. And I'll bring it back. He died for us not to be afraid, not to feel like we're inadequate. I don't know if we know it, but we're his creation. So don't invest in that. Take some action. Don't worry about that. We're going to have our worship team, the rest of them, come on up here. We got some guitar, thank you. And whatever you're going through today, we're going to have people on the prayer side, right? Awesome. We're going to have people over there praying. And, you know, what I want you to think about as they sing, what I want you to think about as you take communion is, you know, what's holding you back? What's got you cuffed? What's that doubt that's chaining you down? That fear? 
And today I want you to give it to the crossover room. I want you to pray. I want you to grab a friend. I want you to say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm not giving in to this anymore. And today I'm taking my first step. We just got out of next step. Let's make your next step a good one. All right? So as the music plays, just respond. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We just pray for the hearts. We pray for the the doubt. We pray for the fear. We pray for that feeling of inadequacy just to be washed out of us. We pray that as we respond today, Lord, that we can be so invested in you and grow in that relationship that if we're not so strong in it, that today can be the first day of many that we grow and regain regain that strength, Lord. We pray that we can lift that up to you and that we can just let that wash us through so that we can be more like Gideon to, to walk with you up that mountain, Lord, to walk with you to defeat that army of doubt, that army of oppression that is making us feel inadequate, Lord, that we can go and we can be and we can love and we can do as you've designed us and the purpose you've given us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.